What kind of fa- Welcome to Horror Court Crossover, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we are back with another Nightmare on Elm Street film. Five Weeks at Freddy's, we call it now. Yeah, Five Weeks at Freddy's. It continues. And we've discussed some of the franchise's highs by this point with three and four. Uh, and of course, we discussed one, two, and sadly the remake a, a while ago. Um, we've come to a weird place in the franchise with today's episode. Mm. A weird place, because... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's hard to explain this film. This is one a very strange film. And not strange in a fun way. Um, yes. It takes a turn. It, it does. It, it does, does take a turn. And a downward turn, let's be honest. Yeah, we are of course talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child from 1989, or as it's known in Germany, A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Trauma. Trauma. Oh, trauma. 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 And in France, Freddy 5, The Nightmare Child. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, it makes sense. Why Freddy 5? The Trauma. (laughs) Yeah. No, what? Yeah. Why call it Freddy, though? The film's just called Freddy. Yeah, in, really? in France, yeah. Oh, wow. It's, uh, yeah, this is a point in the franchise where they're just being churned out. Like, year after year. Yeah, And it's a miracle that the storyline in this franchise managed to be as consistent as it is. Um, because everything else... Like, there's a there's a one steady storyline going through all these films. When one character goes, it starts with another one. And it, it, it remains consistent. But then everything else in this film and the choices where they go with this story is bizarre yeah i i think like you said this is linked to the previous film um the character of alice so there is a consistency to it it's actually probably one of my biggest issues with the film Mm. is that it's alice yeah because it doesn't feel like alice it doesn't it feels like a film written for another character and I'm like well, we'll shove Alice into it we'll get Lisa Wilcox back yeah and that is a big bugbear for me because the, the foundations of a decent film are there but yeah for me it doesn't work because of that and you talk about the other franchises so 1988 was the first year that your sort of three big main franchises had a film out in the same year. Yeah. Halloween, uh, Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. All three also had a film out in 1989. That they did. Which is so indicative of the horror franchise churning it out, getting it out there as quickly as possible. Are you aware of what of which films were released that I year? I certainly am. Um, not, not a good year at all. No. For horror. I'm sure there's other films that are fabulous, but for the main franchises, those three, are you going to tell me which, are you, are you going to explain which ones? We have three of the worst films of all three franchises. Absolutely. We have 
Jason Takes Manhattan, mm-hmm. which is the worst Friday the 13th film. Absolutely. Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, easily within the top three worst Halloween films. Absolutely. And this, which is the third worst Nightmare on Elm Street film. Third? Oh, you remade in the remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, yeah. Yeah, well, once we get to the end of our five weeks at Freddy's, yeah. I'm sure we'll uh, give our rankings. But this is certainly... It's not good. It's not no. good, ladies. It's not it, good. This is directed by Stephen Hopkins, who did Predator 2. Which I, I really like Predator 2. Uh, yeah, it was decent. Yeah, it was decent. Um, Lost in Space, Race, The Reaping, The Life and Death of Peter Sellers, Under Suspicion, Judgment Night, Tube Tales, and more. He was given just four weeks to shoot and a further four weeks to edit the film. This meant he had to shoot on one stage while the crew dressed the other so they could shoot almost continually. Mm. After he made it, the studio was so impressed that he was given the task of directing Predator 2. Um, yeah, they got to the point where when they were doing this film, they were building sets and they had to like shush them at times because they were filming at the same time. Yes. Yeah. You shouldn't be at that point. Like that is that is Russian. That is really Russian. I mean, if you, I mean, I know we're in a better place now, you know, we've got better resources and such. Um, the film industry's come a long way, but, you know, when you look at it uh, compared to Scream, we've had two Scream films now the last two years, and they've been two of the best films in the franchise, and really well made, really well thought out, and it kept going. The problem here is I really don't think they had any idea what they were going for. So, I mean, and I, I know for a fact they didn't because they made the poster and the tagline before they even had a script. Yeah, and the film business has always been quite cutthroat, really, in, in the idea of you never knew if you're going to get another film. Yeah. It, it's only because... Dream Master did so well at the mm. box office that you have Dream Child and like, yeah. oh shit, well, what do we do? We didn't have a plan for five films. Mm-hmm. Wes Craven in 1984 did not have a plan for five films. So you pull shit out of anywhere. Yeah. And it's a it's a critique that I had for Dream Master. Um, but it kind of worked with Dream Master and it doesn't with this one, is that because they have no idea where mm. they're going or where they want to go, they throw everything against the wall and hopes that it sticks. Yeah. And it doesn't become a mess. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert for this episode, it becomes a mess. Yeah. Um, Written by John Skip, who did Tales of Halloween, Class of 99, uh, Animals, and an episode of Creep Show. Craig Spector, who did Volcano, Fire on the Mountain, and Animals. And Leslie Bowen, who did Taken, uh, the Alien TV series, not the Liam Neeson film. Dante's Peak, The Darkest Hour, Daylight, Traces, The Alamo, Nowhere to Run, Kid, House Free, The Horror Story, and more. This is very similar tonally to House Free, The Horror Story. Uh, the, ha- the Horror Show, should I say. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I could definitely see those similarities. 
Um, the early teaser trailers credited Leslie Bowen and, and William Fish with William Wisher for the story, and David J. Skull and Michael DeLuca for the screenplay. The Writers Guild of America denied the latter three writers any credit on the film, and instead credited Boehm along alone for the screenplay, also giving him co-story credit with John Skip and Craig Spector. Virtually nothing of the screenplay by Skip and Spector made it into the film, according to Skip. The It's a Boy line is the only thing that was kept in, uh, while only around half of Bohm's screenplay was kept. Wisher and Scow did uh, further rewrites, and the final screenplay was put together just a few days before shooting by DeLuca. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I believe that. <laughs> mess. It's a mess. Yeah. And it, it's... It's a tale that comes up so many times, mm-hmm. particularly in horror films, but in films in general. Yeah. These too many cooks yeah. spoil the broth. Um, too many people have too many ideas. One person decides to cherry pick those ideas or they run out of ideas and they have to pull something out of their ass. And it, it doesn't work. Sometimes it does, and that's what we call trash the pieces, where it ends up Uh working, despite it definitely should not work. Yeah. Um, But we end up entertained. But half the time, it it leads to mess. It does. Yeah. Um, Based on characters by Wes Craven, of course, uh, Stephen King and comic book writer Frank Miller were offered the job of writing and directing this film. Was this not the one that Peter Jackson was up for us? That's some not. Voice? That is the next one. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna hurt myself dead. a little bit. Yes. Oh wow. Um, budget six million dollars, and at the box office, it still made twenty two point one million dollars, even if it was the lowest grossing film of the franchise. Yeah, still big money maker yeah. for New Line Cinema. Still. I'm assuming it got some terrible reviews. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no. People hated this so much, which led to Freddy being killed off mm. in Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, which ironically would be even more hated than this film. Yeah. I'm just going back a little bit for what we were talking about. The year 1989 yeah. in horror. Um, My favourite horror films... Mm. From 1989. None of them are American. Duh. Tetsuo the Iron Man, <laughs> Santa Sangre, um, Sweet Home, and um, Game Over. So they're my favourites. And then you've got yeah. Society, which was a good film, Intruder. But it's also the year of Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. <laughs> yeah. Um, House 3. Mm-hmm. Puppet Master, which... Puppet Master? Puppet Master, which I hated. I hate that film. I'm sure lots of people love it. I hated that film. Sleepaway Camp 3. Prom Night 3. Okay, I need you to leave (laughs) Sleepaway Camp and Prom Night 3 alone. I mean, but they're not the best films, are they? Um, If we're taking that as a snapshot of horror in the year 1989, Uh then it's... It's on life support. Yeah. Definitely. 
I mean, we also had elves. Are you not going to mention that? I'm not going to mention elves, no. Or how gay. Would you like me to mention how gay? <laughs> uh, but we had a mass part two. A mass part two was great. Yeah. Really good. Which was British. It was British, yeah. When true. you're looking at the Hollywood <laughs> American Nightmare Beach is British. It was Italian, yeah. Italian. Yeah. You know, they were doing what they were doing. But in America, I, I mean, Wicked Stepmother is on this list for some yeah. reason as horror. Um, well, at least we've got My Mother's a Werewolf. My Mother's a Werewolf, yes. Uh, all the death sequences in Nightmare on Street 5 were cut down significantly in order to avoid an X rating. Now, you will recall uh, we discussed the new blood just the other day, the Friday the 13th, part 7. And, uh, yeah, that was butchered by the MPAA. And this one wasn't far off it. So, Dan's original motorcycle death was longer. And uh, it... Contained much more gore. Many sequences showing Dan's face reacting pain were cut, along with his screams and Freddy's laughter. Scenes which are seen on screen for only a few seconds uh, are several minutes long on film. The entire sequence is much longer, and the timing of Freddy's quips are different, which makes sense because it kind of just sounds like Freddy's a soundboard in this film. And yeah, they just keep, they just, just keep pressing him, and he just comes out with random things. Um. Greta's dinner scene was also edited. Originally, Freddy, um, he filleted the uh, Greta doll with the claw glove, causing it to spurt blood everywhere. Um, and then force-fed her, her own stomach. Mm. Shots of the guests uh, laughing were cut. Also, after Freddy said, you are what you eat, she looked down and realised he had gutted her and was feeding her mush from her own stomach. This explains why the Greta doll in Mark's dream is bleeding from its torso. Yeah, and it also means what Freddy says you are what you eat. Yeah. Actually makes sense. Yeah. And um, finally, Mark's demise is also cut as uh, Freddy shreds the paper in the unrated release. His face is animated and shows him screaming, screaming along uh, his cries of pain until Freddy cuts his paper head off. All three scenes can be viewed unedited in the original unrated VHS release. Um, why would Mark's death, which is a cartoon, be cut like that? I know. It's so actually quite a silly death scene. Um, and if anyone hasn't watched the film and you're wondering, that's only three deaths. Yes, this slasher film only has three, three death deaths, scenes. Yes. In 1989 as well. In 1989. Where, yeah. Yeah. I, I can hear the yawns already. Yeah. Oh, um, dear. Do you have any history with this one? or? Um, no, I watched them in order. So I, I bought the box set and, and watched them in, in order. And I, I don't remember hating mm. this. I remember... Um, the scene with Dan's death being quite shocking. Yeah. And quite memorable. Um, I don't remember hating it. But I don't remember loving it either. I wasn't... I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, that I... That happened. I remember being really surprised by this one with the um, tonal change from 4. Because this one... At the time, I couldn't put my finger on what it was and what I didn't, 
you know, I, I enjoyed it, but there's something that just fell off and I couldn't put my finger on what it was. Now I can tell you it's definitely the lack of camp. Mm. Um, but like the way it started with the sex scene and then the whole inmates, it's like, what the fuck is this? And uh, yeah, I watched all these films back to back at the Prince Charles Cinema for an all-nighter and that time that I watched it is the most I've ever hated this film. I, I dropped my rating right down um, dramatically and fuck it, it was a chore. And it was, it was a long night of films and they're all back to back but oh my god I really just did not like it at all but then we rewatched it again after that and I enjoyed it again but now I'm watching it today and it's kind of like not so much so it's kind of like I never have the same opinion twice with this film yeah um it always changes every time I watch it I suppose what we're doing here is going through the franchise so we are doing direct comparisons to each year. So when I was watching the film this time, even though I was well aware of it, I was actively comparing it to what we'd seen previously. Mm. Actively comparing it to Dream Master. If you yeah. watch it in order, back to back, you're going to do that. You're going to compare. And compared to the rest of the series, this is a low. Yeah, but also this is the end of the Dream Trilogy. Yeah. And it's impossible to not compare it to those two films, considering Dream Warriors and Dream Master are both the height of camp, and then this just really takes itself seriously. At certain points, but then other points it's going for the over-the-top. Yeah. Um, it's weird. Tonally, it's weird. Should we talk about who's in it? Yes, in a section we like to call, Hey, I know you. Lisa Wilcox returns as Alice Johnson. Uh, Stephen Hopkins was keen for Wilcox to return, feeling that her story from the previous film remained incomplete. Whilst she received top billing in the opening credits, her name was accidentally deleted from the end credits. Oh, dear. Shit. Um, yeah, good old Lisa Wilcox. Yeah, star of, of course, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Star Trek The Next Generation, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, TV series Murder, She Wrote, Boy Meets World, Men Seeking Women, MILF, Manor, yes. and more. I think Lisa Wilcox is so much better in this film than she was in part four. There was something, you know, I love four, but her performance wasn't amazing. But I feel like she's actually really trying this time around. I think she's let down by the material. Yeah. I think that is a problem. Yeah. And also, it just feels like a completely different character. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like Lisa Wilcox is playing Alice, the Alice that we knew from the, you know, we spent the whole of the previous film with. Yeah. It feels like a completely different character. Yeah. And from the get-go as well, and we'll get into that, but yeah, the performance is great, but it's not Alice. Yeah. Um, of course, as you know from all these episodes, the star of the entire franchise bar, the remake, the recent star of Stranger Things, the star of Urban Legend, The Mangler, Hatchet, Jack Brooks, Monster Slayer, just so many random films. It's Robert Englund, this time as Freddy Krueger, asylum inmate, Freddy's biological father, Ooh. in the asylum without makeup, and waiter without makeup. Ooh. So he's still getting around, doing as much as he can. Yes. Um, you know, full pop culture icon by this point. And he still is the best thing about these films. He is. Even if 
his dialogue is really weirdly placed. It's it's yeah. so strange the way he comes out of all his quips in this one. I think it's because of the cuts, though. Yeah. I do think that is an issue. Uh, Kelly Jo Minter plays Yvonne Miller. Queen. She is the star of Summer School, The People Under the Stairs, The Lost Boys, Miracle Mile, Popcorn, Mask, The Rich Man's Wife, The Face, New Jack City, House Party, and more. Yeah. Look at that filmography. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Hopkins cast her as she, in his words, rocked. She was a real firebrand. Uh, Mentor enjoyed acting in the film, but found her diving scenes near the end uh, very challenging. She was suffering from food poisoning at the time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want that that as you're diving. Yeah. Follow you down. Uh, Erica Anderson plays Greta Gibson, and she was in Twin Peaks, Zanderlee, October 22, Silk Stalkins. Yeah, Ballad of the Nightingale, Object of Obsession, Red Shoe Diaries, Club VR, and more. So she's in a few. Uh, she's in a few erotic thrillers. Yes, um, she also came first in a uh, Kelly Ben Simone lookalike contest. <laughs> <laughs> when are we going to watch Silk Stalkings? Because we need to watch Silk Stalk. It's a TV series, but I don't know what it's about. What's it about? I don't... I mean, look at the name. Look at the poster. Oh, I'm going to watch Murder, She Wrote. Everyone was in bloody Murder, She Wrote. Well, let's prioritise Silk Stalkings. Silk Stalkings, okay. Uh, Danny Hassel is back as Dan Jordan, that Major League hunk. Hey. And, of course, star of Murder, She Wrote, the new Gidget, Houston, Houston Knights, Nine Hour Street 4, Simon and Simon, Guts and Glory, The Rise and Fall of Oliver North, Murder, A South Portrait, and more. And he felt really lucky that the producers remembered him enough to ask him back for this one. Like, okay, of course they remembered you. The girls and gays were begging for you to come back. It's true. And, yeah, he came back and didn't really do much, did he? Really? He didn't. To be fair. He didn't. But it got him his murder, she wrote role, so... At least he won't recast. Um, so, Silk Stalkings. Just a little <laughs> tangent. Just a little tangent for you. Uh, is a series that portrays the daily lives of two detectives who solve sexually based crimes of passion, silk stalkings, among the ultra rich of Palm Beach, Florida. Absolutely. Yeah, sounds about right, actually. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like our kind of thing. Yeah? Yeah. Finally. We'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> finally, uh, Whit Hartford, Hartford uh, plays Jacob Johnson and. He actually went on to some decent things. Ooh, Jurassic Park. Nice. Poltergeist 2, The he Other Side. Jurassic Park? The random kid that talks to Sam the Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes. Poltergeist 2, The Other Side. Batman, the animated series. The Perfect 46. The Caper Kind. The Adams Family. And more. Yeah. He's got a distinct look, which I think helped. Yeah. Um. I don't, I don't know... Um. It helped him as an adult, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think yeah, we're not big things in the nineties. Do you understand the kid? Yeah, you know what I'm getting. I don't at. know if he was more than a child actor. Yeah, yeah, I find that a lot of child actors during that period had very distinct looks, mm-hmm. but it didn't really help them as they grew no. older. No. Like Macaulay Culkin, you yeah. know, he had yeah, 
that child actor look of him. <laughs> it's, I didn't know how to pinpoint what I, I know what you mean, but you know, know what I mean. Okay, let's talk about our feature presentation. When it comes to terror, Freddy knows best. <laughs> now, Freddy delivers. It's a boy! I don't know how, but now he's back! His greatest masterpiece. Better not dream and drive! <laughs> A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. The party just starts. Rated R. Starts Friday, August 11th at theatres everywhere. So in June 1989, a year after the previous film, Alice Johnson and that Major League hunk Dan Jordan have started dating. And there are no signs of Freddy Krueger. But to celebrate this, the opening credits is intertwined with the two of them having sex. Channel 5 erotic thriller style. Um, blue lighting, blue slow lighting, motion, very close, sweaty, moist. Um, and the film decides to give the gays and girls what they asked for, Dan's ass. But it's not him. Is that a pun? But ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's it not him. It's it's a, a double. It is in fact Michael Bailey Smith, the same actor who goes on to play Super Freddy later on in the film. Um. Yeah, if we saw his butt cheek, I didn't notice. No? Did you know? I was confused. I didn't know what body part I was looking at at any given time. I watched this film a lot of times. I knew exactly what I was looking at. Uh, well, I was taking this, a... This is uh, where the VHS got a little fuzzy. Well, yeah. Um, th- there is some ass grabbing in this. And I'm surprised you didn't notice. You love spotting a good ass grab. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> Friday the 13th, that's it. They well, you knew what I was talking about immediately. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Filthy oh, Devils! Oh, yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, there's a few. I can't think of them all right now, but there's a few. Um, whilst taking a shower after having sex, um, something that all the boys wanted to see. But again, it's not her! It's a nude body double served as a stand-in for Lisa Wilcox. And uh yeah, that's that's not her. So what you get, you get it, um Angie Dickinson style. Oh my God. This looks nothing like Lisa Wilcox. Nothing. So you get it, you get like <laughs> well it's essentially a full frontal. Yeah. But it's behind the, the glass shower door. of the shower. Yeah. So it's very obviously not Lisa Wilcox. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, it feels really cheap. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I'm going to show some TNA. But also, because but... that, that isn't what this franchise is. No. Like, there's you the few scenes here and there, like your Joey and the nurse scene and the waterbed. But those were used in the dream for certain reasons. Mm. This just felt really unnecessary. Yeah, because essentially what happens is the shower door won't open and the water starts spurting out from the drain and from the shower head and and all that business and it starts to fill and um alice starts to start drowning yeah which is really cool really cool effect looks great um kind of played off of not 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 an actual fear of people but it's understandable you know you know Mm -hmm. what i mean um, really cool. So they could have done that and not had us see everything through the glass. Yeah. 
So it feels cheap. It's distracting from the scene itself. Yeah. You know, perfect example, Janet Lee in Psycho. Mm-hmm. You don't see anything apart from parts of her body. Yeah. You don't see the DNA no, of it. No. So it's not distracting. But this is the thing that, I mean, they're on a tight schedule enough as it is. You know, you're in a rush here, guys. Because save yourself the effort of casting a body double. You're going to just not show it anything. Really? Really? It just feels cheap. And like Gary said, Nightmare on Elm Street wasn't known for that. Friday the 13th, yes, of course. Very well known. Yeah. For that TNA. But not in this case. It wasn't necessary. And it's Alice. Yeah. This this is, you know, a, a character that we knew throughout the whole of... Mm. Dream Master as shy and greasy haired, mm. wouldn't say boo to a goose. I suppose. And now we're seeing her get laid. Yeah. And giving us, you know, full frontal in the shower. I suppose if you clued up on the rules of slasher films, it kind of means she's not safe. It's kind of immediately like, okay, shit, this is your main girl from part four. We've made a habit of killing off main girls in this franchise. She's having sex. You know what that means for a character in a slasher film. It's a death sentence. Yeah, which would be cool if this was a meta film, but it's not. I mean, it's probably one of the thousand tones that it's got going. Yeah, probably. She's transported into the dream world and has a vision of herself dressed in a nun's habit. She's back in the habit with a name tag saying Amanda Kruger. And she's in a strange asylum. To help. Just in case. Just in case we forgot her name. You know she how, wasn't in the last one. Well, the problem is part four completely ignored yeah. Amanda Kruger. So we have to be reminded <laughs> that she was a character that existed. She's attacked by patients. <laughs> Sorry. She's attacked by patients at the hospital. And it's a really grubby scene. Because obviously we know where it's going. Mm. We know the backstory. Um, and just having her surrounded by all these men, you know, it doesn't show any sexual assault, thankfully, but you kind of, you know where it's going. And yeah, it's, it's rough. Um, again, jarring compared to where we were with the last film. Um, but yeah, she wakes up and something that when I first watched this scared the shit out of me is one of the patients, the one played by Robert Englund, is in bed next to her and pins her down. But again, she wakes up and he's gone. But the jump scare is fucking... When I first watched it, it was so effective. Yeah. Yeah, no, it yeah. really got me. Uh, the next day, Alice is graduating from high school alongside her new friends, Greta Gibson, an aspiring but reluctant supermodel. Mark Gray, a comic book fan, played by Joe Seeley, who uh, originally wanted this character to be a goth, wanting jet black hair and uh, wearing bone shirts. He's upset that he had to wear more colourful clothes with blonde hair. Not that it makes a single bit of difference, because his performance is, without a doubt, the worst one in the fucking film. Yeah, the struggle's real. Yeah. Of course, Yvonne Miller, a hospital volunteer and swimmer. And for a big chunk of this film, unfortunately, grade A bitch. Um, yes. Like, it's strange to see her take the role of the parents in the other films. That's true. That is true. But it's for the right reasons. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, that's pretty much all the character development they get, though. Yeah. Grant and aspiring, but reluctant supermodel. Yeah, this sequence was actually cut down a lot Mm. to speed up the pacing of the film. Didn't work. As a result, there were a lot of continuity errors, like amongst the footage was Dan's graduation speech, dialogue between Greta and uh, Racine, again, who's Racine, a rap between Yvonne, Alice and Greta, I'd have loved to have seen that, additional dialogue about parents and future plans, and a scene in which Alice's father gives her a camera she'd been saving up for as a graduation present before she went to Paris. And if you watch closely, you can see Alice hand her father the camera before they go to take the group picture. Now, the MPAA didn't make you cut that down. I would have loved a rap between our three girls here. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, we do get in this scene as well, Greta's mother. Icon. <laughs> yeah, she is. She yeah, Mark's flirting with her, isn't he? He's flirting with Greta. Um, he he shoves a lollipop in her face and uh, get, tries to get her to lick it. And you have the dialogue. <laughs> Greta, that's not what a cover girl puts in her body. <laughs> but this is how she talks for the whole of the film. She's absolutely the underlay, underlay She's, of this film. She is the underlay. <laughs> she is the. Mother who is neglect, rich mother who is uh-huh. neglectful of her daughter and her daughter's true wishes. Well, this is very much the thing at this point in the franchise, you know, it's seemingly forgetting its own law here. I mean, I get it. Freddie wants revenge on Alice for sending him back, killing him. Mm. Great. But the whole idea of the first four films is kids suffering for their parents' uh, doings. Yes. For, for burning Freddy Krueger alive. I'm pretty certain Greta's mum didn't burn Freddy Krueger alive. I'm certain that Yvonne's parents didn't do it, or Mark's parents. These are just random kids that end up getting killed because they happen to know Alice. Yeah, and this is a big problem for me. The biggest problem is the fact that I do not care about any of these characters. No. I don't. Dan wasn't really that much of a big deal in Dream Master. No. Really. Um, he was asleep or knocked out for half of it. Alice doesn't feel like the same character. Mm. And then these three, wherever the hell they've come from, yeah, they're graduated. So yeah. They've just graduated. Where were they in part four? Exactly. There's no real mention from them of anyone who died in part four. Mm -hmm. So by all accounts, they've only been friends with Alice and Dan. Yeah. Well, Alice at least for a year Mm -hmm. at most. Yeah. Because they feature, didn't feature at all in dream master. No. So it's like, who are these characters? And if you're going to get, you know, fodder for the killer. Yeah. Like in Friday the 13th part seven, Mm. At least get a few of them, not just yeah. three. This is the thing, because it's not spending enough time developing in them anyway. Yeah. And spoiler alert, one of them survives. Yeah. Yvonne lives till the end, yeah. which I'm living for, but also means we only get three kills mm. in an, a slasher film. Yeah. With not much else going for it. It's true. Which equals, in my estimation, getting my calculator out, equals boring. Alice confides her nightmare to Dan, who tells her she's in control of her dreams. 
Oh, nice then, one, Dan. And then she walks off and starts bitching about her dad to herself where she bumps into him. And speaking of characters who don't feel like they're the same character from the previous film, you're giving some exposition that he's no longer an alcoholic. Yes. He just doesn't feel <laughs> like it anymore. Yeah. That was pretty good. That was good. That was good one, Blakely. Well done. Um, on her way to work, Alice bumps into the Jump Rope Girls, who still don't have a second single, but one of them does get a solo, and she decides to change the lyrics to 7-8, Better Stay Awake, and 9-10, he's back again. <gasps> wow, remix. Um, poor Alice. Still having to fucking work at the Crave Inn. I know, she's still... Well, I mean, you know, she said in the last one, you're going to be dead till you die, and... Seemingly, she was right. Even on a graduation day, yeah, you think she'd be able to get the day off. Now, this here, yes, is this fixing a bugbear that you had with the Dream Master, or am I giving the film more credit than it deserves? You're giving the film more credit than it deserves. Do you think this is her daydreaming? No, 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 okay. no. It's explained. Um, I'll tell you, this this is a huge bugbear for me with the film. I know there's the a big idea... line of dialogue coming up that says that he's dreamt himself alive. Yes. The idea is that at the very moment of conception, uh-huh. this child oh, fuck. has been yeah, dreaming. Of course, of course. Yeah. And it's not her daydreaming, it's the child that's dreaming. Yeah. And I don't know how the time works in this film, uh-huh. but seemingly this baby that only got um, conceived on graduation day yeah. develops at an incredible speed, but no one cares to mention that. But yeah, seemingly the moment that this baby was conceived, yeah. um, and I'm not an expert, I don't pretend to be one, but I don't think this is the case. This baby is dreaming and sleeping yeah. and such, and therefore bringing Freddy Krueger back within the baby's dreams. There we go. Which would, which is a really interesting concept, mm. but not for Alice. No. Not for Alice. Uh, Alice finds herself back at the Tim Burton Looking Asylum. Where she sees Amanda giving birth to a gruesomely deformed baby. And the doctor's like, holy shit, what is it? (laughs) Amanda tries to collect the baby before it escapes, but it sneaks out of the operating room. She follows the baby into the church where she defeated Freddy in the previous film. It finds Freddy's remains and quickly grows into an adult. This time with a freakishly large hand and freakishly large feet. And, uh... Yeah, hinting to Alice that he has found the key to come back. I feel like they were going for the elongated arms from the first film. Mm. It didn't quite look right. It didn't. I mean, it didn't quite look right in the first film. No. (laughs) You think over the last, what, five years. This is what's incredible about these films. It's been five years. Yeah. It feels like so much longer, mm-hmm. but it really is only five years, yeah. which in the grand scheme of things isn't that long uh-huh. to have all these films churned out. Yeah. 
Um, but in terms of sitting and watching, it feels like the story of Freddy has come such a long way. Uh-huh. When in, in the real world, you know, Robert England's only been playing him four or five mm-hmm. years. It's incredible yeah. to think of yeah. how time works like that. Um, executive producer Sarah Risher's original pitch to New Line Cinema for Nightmare on Elm Street 3 was for Freddy to have a baby. She states, I went in, one of the executives was pregnant at the time, and I said, picture Freddy clawing his way out of the womb. No one liked the idea. So then when she got a call for Nightmare 5, and uh, they brought up the idea again, they used it. But it never sleeps again. It's one of the original writers that tells that story. But Sarah Risher still says that the yeah. whole idea of pregnancy uh-huh. and bringing that into it was her idea. A man trying to take credit for a woman's idea. Yeah, it becomes Shocker. a little muddled. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wouldn't take credit for it, to be fair. No. But this is the result. Well, when he comes back to life, he says, It's a boy! Yes. Which is slightly iconic. It's. I think it's very iconic. I love the cinematography in this scene. It's, yeah. It, I mean, this film looks great. This film looks so good. I just feel the like... The soundtrack is fucking banging. It... The score, yeah, the score. Is. The soundtrack yeah. is it's not as good as Dream no, Master. but the score is even though it's got really... Sam Fox there, it's not as good. <laughs> the score is fantastic. Yeah, I feel with this scene though, I feel like too much is going on. There's too much of the stunt work, the church crashing, yeah, the slow motion. I just feel like it it's muddled. I also it's... don't get why Freddy falls over when he comes back to yeah, life. Like, <laughs> It's because they wanted a slow motion action sequence. And I just, I don't feel like it works Yeah. in this context. I love the way that the, the, the church looks. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of the visual points are very, like you said, Tim Burton-esque. Yeah. Um... Beetlejuice was the year before. Yes. I feel like maybe yeah, Batman in was the same year. The same yeah. year, but I feel that was definitely an influence. Well, I'll tell you what does work is when it randomly turns into a Bonnie Tyler music video <laughs> and Amanda Kruger shows up um, again, you know, she's given a nun serving cunt and she's like, your birth was a curse on all of humanity. Like, no one asked for this. And she just shows up. And it's like... <laughs> she looks different to <laughs> Dream Warriors. It's like, oh, I hope the uh, country Amanda Kruger's not there. Oh, wait. Okay. Um, <laughs> I will not allow it to happen again. You brought me back to give you life. But now I must take yours. And Freddy Krueger's like, we'll see, bitch. <laughs> We'll just see. And then she says, I must be released from my earthly prison. Look for me in the tower. <laughs> it's so... This is the only moment of camp in the film. And living for it. The backlighting, the doves. Like, come on. That is the energy we need for the whole film. If you're going to go full fucking power ballad music video or heavy metal music video, fucking do it. Yeah. Don't just keep it to this one scene. Because that's what this entire church scene is. Yeah. It's the fine line between a power ballad music video and a heavy metal music video in the 80s. And, spoiler alert, the key to resolving the issues is to find her in the tower. Yeah. But they don't do it for a very long time. And 
Alice doesn't mention it at all until the very end of the film. She does have some distractions coming up, though. I'll give it up. Well, kind of, but it's kind of important to remember It is very this. important, yeah. Um, she contacts Dan and informs him that she dreamt while she was awake and that she thinks Freddy dreamt himself up. Um, Dan then gets in his car and has a nap as he's driving on his way to see her. He's got the radio on. He's listening to SK, The Sound of Springwood. And uh, his mum calls up and says, I'm calling about my wayward ex-son. Ex-son. Daniel, who's been acting like an ungrateful, unmanageable dickweed ever since he was seduced by that bimbo slut whore Alice. And Freddie's like, if I were you, lady, I'd kill the ungrateful piggy. <laughs> and then That's we, camp. That's camp. That's that camp. is camp. Um, Freddie's there in the passenger seat drinking champagne, spitting acid... Well, he melts off his arm with the champagne yeah. <laughs> before using his arm as a seatbelt <laughs> and yeah. causing Dan to crash and fly out of the windscreen. Uh-huh. And, you know, we're getting the quotes flowing around as well from him. Yeah, they're all like car-based quotes, aren't they? Um, can we talk... Just, can we just go back slightly? Yeah. Can we talk about Alice getting told off for being four hours late to work? <laughs> Perfect chance for a death scene for her. Yeah. Whoever that was. Uh-huh. Um, but also, what was Dan wearing at the pool party? Jeans and no shirt. Jeans and no shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for a pool party. Where's your swimming costume? <laughs> so weird. Um, but yeah, it's the first time uh, this Dan falling asleep at the wheel I think it's just, it's the first time it feels too convenient. Yeah. People randomly falling asleep. Like, in the films previous, someone falling asleep in class. Mm-hmm. I understand people falling asleep because they force themselves to stay awake for a, a prolonged period yeah. of time. I understand. But Dan doesn't think Freddy's back. Dan's been getting no. a good night's sleep. Yeah. So there's no reason for him to fall asleep at the wheel of the vehicle mm-hmm. if it... Just for the film. Yeah. You know, later on, Greta randomly falls asleep during dinner. Yeah. Like, I, I just, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very forced. They, yeah. they haven't really thought of ways to make people genuinely fall asleep. Yeah. Um, well, Freddie attacks and electrocutes Dan, destroying his car, forcing him to get on a motorbike and turn him into a man-machine hybrid. Uh, before veering him onto oncoming traffic. And this is when we get, this boy feels the need for speed. <laughs> hey, Danny, better not drink and drive. Um, dream and drive, sorry. Dream, dream and, and drive. drive. Um, it looks like something out of Mad Max. It does. Um, it looks really fucking cool. <laughs> it, if it was in another film, it would look really, yeah. really fucking rad. Um, in this context... Why? <laughs> I mean... I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no... It, it, it's a really cool effect. Mm. And someone's... This is what I say when too many cooks. Someone's obviously come along and said, well, I've had this idea that I was probably going to use for a different film. But yeah. it's maybe my only chance to make a film. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm going to put it in. And the effects team were like, yeah, it's really cool. I've never, you know had a chance to do something like that, it's going to look really rad. And it does. And by all accounts, the young Kurt looks even better. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
this is a Freddy Krueger kill. This is a Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street. This could be so jarring. It doesn't fit. Freddy Krueger kills himself. It, you know, he he's the one that kills. He doesn't randomly change people into big hulking no. cool motorbike dudes. <laughs> I get it. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's odd, but I mean, in this film, we've got to take the entertainment value where you can get it. <laughs> it's true. Alice sees Dan's body come to life and uh, taunts her before she faints. He says, hi, Alice, you want to make babies? <laughs> and seemingly, um, I had in my notes, this is where she gets pregnant, but then that doesn't make any sense because... No. She's already pregnant. She's That's already she's pregnant. Having a, Oh, yeah. his, his soul goes inside it, of course. Yes. His soul goes inside it. Oh, well. yeah. because Freddy's eating the souls from yeah. dream, the baby dreaming. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, do you think... She, yeah, Alice Did you think get, that's how babies whoa, are made? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. Alice doesn't get uh, any powers in this one. That's disappointing. She doesn't, She no. doesn't gain everyone's powers. No. Do you know why? Because no one's got anything about them. Like, what's she, she gonna do? She gonna be like, oh, fucking hell. I, uh, oh, I'm really hungry now. I can't eat much because my mother's gonna tell me off like what's she gonna get from these characters very true um she also doesn't bring anyone into her dreams she doesn't no a lot of what we thought about alice in the last one has just gone out the window (laughs) um waking in the hospital she hears the news of dan's death uh and that she's pregnant with his child and uh she says what's wrong with me and yvonne's like nothing you're just a little pregnant just a little pregnant (laughs) just a little bit and during the night, she's... Which, apparently, she's not. Apparently, she's, she's a, lot a lot of pregnant. She's a lot pregnant. A yeah. lot of pregnant, apparently. During the night, she's visited by a young boy named Jacob Johnson. But the next day, Yvonne tells her that there are no children on her floor, nor is there a children's ward. Okay. Jacob Johnson. Yeah. Her son. Yeah. Hers and Dan's son. Mm-hmm. Looks nothing like either of them. Well, okay, now that is really <laughs> coaching at straws, Chris. Come on. What? Come like on. Him. The amount of films in cinematic history where people's kids have looked <laughs> nothing like them. We can let that one go. We can let it go. It's fine. Let's give him a it's nice fine. red-headed no, wig. Come on. It's <laughs> fine. He's got the same hair colour as Dan. It's okay. A ginger wig. It's okay. Works. We can forget that one. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect someone's child in a film to look like their parents. Some of the best films of all time have kids where they don't look anything like their parents. Give me one example, please. Eddie Furlong in Terminator 2. Looks nothing like Linda Hamilton or Michael Bean. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Anyway. That was quick. Have you been holding on to that? No. It's just the first... It's one of my favourite... I was thinking my top four and that was... Yeah. (laughs) The only one there where I could use that example. Um, top four what? Mother films of all time. <laughs> Mother's son. <laughs> even, though, even Stephanie Shu doesn't really look like Michelle Yeoh or Kiyu Kwan in everything ever all at once. Okay, I get your point. <laughs> Alice, it, there's enough to bitch about this film as it is. We don't need extras, it's alright. We don't need body doubles. <laughs> Alice tells her friends... <laughs> <laughs> It was a funny little quip. It was funny. It I do, was funny. I do apologise. It was funny. I just didn't want you to uh, 
get even more angry at the film. Okay. I've, been, I've been told. <laughs> Alice tells her friends about Freddy and his backstory. We all know who's the editor. <laughs> who's in charge of this podcast? Alice tells her friends about <laughs> Freddy and his backstory. Uh, Yvonne refuses to listen, but Mark and Greta are slightly less sceptical. Um, we go to Greta's house for dinner. And the first bit of dialogue we get from her mother is like, it's true. People are always mistaking us for sisters. I can understand that. Not because they look like Because they look other. like each other. <laughs> someone else is like, Greta has the perfect body for modelling. And someone else is like, you know, I know Eileen Ford. <laughs> do you appreciate that Eileen I Ford did. I do. I do enjoy an Eileen Ford reference in a film. So that afternoon, um, Greta... Falls asleep at the dinner table. She does, randomly, with loads of people around. And loud people as well. Very loud people. She dreams of herself snapping at her mother and ranting over her controlling nature before Freddy arrives, grabs her head, brings her a plate of food and says, Bon appetit, bitch! That is peak Freddy Krueger. That's... That is. This is... I feel like this is what people criticised... The sequels for, um, it didn't clearly. It wasn't the beginning of it, but this I feel is the peak. Yeah, this is comedy. Um, Freddie is the protagonist almost mm-hmm. sort of peak where um, he's it's all a pun. It's yeah. all a pun. So she's a model. The idea is that she doesn't eat much. So how we're we gonna kill her? We're going to force feed her. Yeah. Um, not very PC now. No. Um, obviously. But it's the kills that are based on these puns, mm-hmm. these aspects of the characters that we're forced yeah. to have because they don't have any other characters. It's like, she's, she's a model. She's a model. She's a model. Yeah. She's a model. Every scene, we're reminded she's a model. And yeah. So her fate... Is based upon that. It probably is the best kill in the film. Yeah, and um, then the whole Bon Appetit bitch thing. You are what you eat. Yeah. He, he force feeds her her own organs. We, we don't see that it is her organ she's eating. Mm. Um, before choking her in front of a laughing audience. Meanwhile, Alice opens her fridge and everything turns mouldy with stop motion. Before Greta, with her cheeks filled with food, reaches out for Alice before Freddy pulls her back in. And one thing I noticed this time, which I've never noticed before, there's a little note left on the fridge saying, Die, bitch. Oh, yeah. In the real world, Greta falls down dead in front of her mother and their guests. God bless her. Greta, we barely knew thee. Yvonne and Alice visit Mark, who's grieving Greta's death, and a rift forms between them, because Yvonne has just had it with a shit. But then it's quickly resolved. Well, fairly quickly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like literally within the same scene. Let's say Mark's Mark's pissed. Oh, that rift. Yeah, no, no, yeah. yeah. No, I'm and then Yvonne. that's quickly resolved. Yeah. And then Yvonne, yeah, she she, she keeps quite it going for believe a while. them, and then yeah. she has to go to work anyway. But she's not actually that pissed. But she is later. She's yeah. Like, no, I don't believe you. Um, Mark falls asleep and is taken to Nancy's house, or as it's known by this point in the franchise, Freddie's house for some reason. <laughs> Uh, he's nearly killed by Freddy, but Alice saves him before seeing Jacob again, who warns her that maybe 
having kids isn't a good idea because they're just going to fucking whinge at you like heathers. Um, I like the way that she draws herself as a stick figure in the picture uh-huh. of Nancy's old house in which to join him in the dream. Yeah. But she has to write her name above it. <laughs> Alice, age 20. Alice. <laughs> and then she she's in the dream. But... Yeah, I, I don't. I don't get it. Was this is this one of her dream abilities? I don't get it. No. Yeah, Jacob... she just draws a picture and she's in there. Yeah, yeah. Jacob whinges for a bit and very much tells Alice that she's his mum without saying the exact words. Mm. Um, Alice requests that Yvonne gets her an early ultrasound and discovers Freddie is using Jacob as a conduit to attack her friends even when she's awake and has been feeding him his victims to make him like himself. Absolutely bizarre and over-the-top idea. Yeah. Which could work. Yeah. It's not completely, you know, it's a nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Completely within the realms of possibility. And the scene that it comes with inside her womb is just absolutely so over-the-top. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yvonne and Dan's parents uh, still believe Alice is crazy. Mark's very much at this point, which is where some of the film's messaging, intentional or non-intentional, comes in, uh, suggests that Alice could just get an abortion. Yes. And that kind of brings up the whole idea that this film is pro-choice, which is great. Um, I feel like, I don't know how intentional this was, Seemingly from the director's uh, attitude towards it, maybe not entirely intentional, but I think this is handled oddly well, especially with the idea that if Amanda Kruger had just had an abortion, Freddy Kruger, none of this shit would have happened. Um. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And the idea is completely different time. And, you know, she was a nun. So the choice would not have been there for her. I think that is really interesting. Mm. Maybe a little too heavy for A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5. But an interesting idea nonetheless. Yeah. I think just Mark mentioning the possibility Mm -hmm. of Alice having an abortion automatically makes it pro-choice. Yeah. The fact that our character, it has been given that... Because they could have just not have had it ever mentioned. Uh-huh. And just be like, yeah, we're just having the baby. We don't need to mention this. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it does exist, yeah. that idea that she could have an abortion mm-hmm. and she has made the choice mm-hmm. not to, I think is a very interesting one. Is it deliberate? Because the film is, you know, a big message on... A woman's right to choose. Mm. I don't think so. I don't. No. Um, it could have been if it hadn't been so messy. But I I appreciate that it's there. Yeah. You know, that it exists. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Dan's parents insist that Alice gives them the baby when it's born, which Alice refuses. And this scene feels like it's straight out of a made-for-TV Teen pregnancy film. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, the camera angles and everything, it really feels like it. It's so strange. I 
have an issue with Alice's doctor. Okay. Why is he calling Dan's parents? Yeah, that's parents? not um, very professional. <laughs> that is highly unprofessional. Like, if he thought there was an issue and she wasn't safe enough to be a mother, then call social services, not Absolutely. <laughs> or Dan's her parents. father. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because they say, you know, apparently Alice's doctor called them and told them that Alice was acting delusional during the ultrasound. Yeah. Highly unethical. Uh-huh. Highly why would they not call her father? Yeah. <laughs> when did she even say that Dan was the father? I know, yeah. <laughs> They're not married. <laughs> I always thought, when I first watched the film, I always thought they got married. <laughs> and then this... I I feel like I forgot that they had a graduation ceremony and that it happened many years later. Like, Dan and Alice had gotten married. And I think because <laughs> Alice feels like such a different character. Yeah. And you have her kind of sexualized mm-hmm. at the beginning. I feel like she was meant to be much older yeah. than she was. Yeah. And it kind of feels like it's implied that they live together as well. Yeah. Which is very strange. Yeah. Well, Alice and Mark researched Freddy and the nun Amanda. Uh, realising Amanda was trying to stop Freddy... They investigate her whereabouts and Alice goes to sleep, hoping to find Amanda at the asylum. Uh, whilst there, Freddy lures her away She's by... at the fucking tower. Yeah. She told you earlier. <laughs> She's at the tower. Go find her. Well, Freddy lures her away by threatening Yvonne, who has fallen asleep in a jacuzzi. <laughs> Why are you asleep in a jacuzzi, Yvonne? She has more of an excuse because she is working all the hours... As a nurse. So she does work late nights. She has got food poisoning. She has got food poisoning too. (laughs) Which isn't good for a jacuzzi. Uh, The colour looks clear, so it's fine. We're we're all right. (laughs) She's taking her imodium. And, uh, but she also, you know, she's got diving and and all that business. Yeah. She's a multifaceted woman. She really is. She's she's got a finger in every pie, this Yvonne. I am living for her, I have to say. Alice rescues Yvonne by uh, shoving a big pole into Freddy's mouth. Um, the scene that is uh, featured amongst many others at the start of Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, oh. Yvonne finally believes her. I do like, just, just talking about this scene, I like the visual of her diving into a puddle. Uh-huh. That's about it. And then when she's up on the diving board, this is very Beetlejuice. It is. Those claws going towards uh-huh. her, Stop above her. So very Beetlejuice. Uh, Mark falls asleep. I won't say his name again. And is uh, poured into a comic book world. Yay. Freddy taunts him with Greta's corpse, which he throws to the ground, causing it to smash to pieces as it changes to a doll. And uh, <laughs> Mark, which is very much, I feel, a rift, on the Wizard Master in Dream Warriors, says, Time to die, you scar-faced limp dick, and uh, transforms into a superhero. Yeah, the Phantom Prowler, which is the superhero... The Phantom Prowler doesn't sound right, by the way, for a hero (laughs) of a comic book. No. But apparently the comic book that he's been writing is the Phantom Prowler. Yeah. And I don't know how to describe him. He's got, like, guns and... Waistcoat, mm. uh, not waistcoat, trench coat and shit. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, this scene, visually, really, really cool. But cheese, it is cheesy. It is. The Wizard Master was cheesy. But if the rest of the film was the same tone, this wouldn't Mm. have felt out of place. Yeah, that's true. Um, Freddy turns him into a paper cutout and slashes him to pieces. Yes, yeah, well, Super Freddy, isn't it? Super Freddy, yes. (laughs) Yeah, he goes, faster than a bastard maniac, more powerful than a loco madman, it's Super Freddy. (laughs) And then we get the bloke from the beginning. Uh Uh-huh. The body double. With... Robert England's Freddy mask on, mm-hmm. and he's got like a lightning bolt. He's meant to look yeah. like like who's the superhero? I don't know, but visually it looks great. Mm-hmm. It, it does look really cool. Yeah. It's giving Sin City, mm-hmm. <laughs> and apparently the I say apparently it's a fact. The um everything was painted. Yeah, uh, black, black and white, white yeah. and gray, and that's looks really good. It, does. it looks genuinely really yeah. good. Alice goes to bed to find Freddy and save her son. Uh, when when she gets there, Freddy's like, nice try, Alice. Thanks, babe. <laughs> he chases uh, Jacob around for a bit and he's like, kids, always a disappointment. Yeah, so the, 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 the asylum, is that where so, they are? Yeah, so that's where they are now. And realising Freddy has been hiding in her every time she falls asleep, she draws Freddy out from within herself, literally. Yeah, which looks really good. I mean, it's a real cool visual as Alice has the Freddy face on. Yeah. And a wig. Um, the uh, <laughs> Lisa Wilcox wig. And he emerges from her like like a Siamese twin. They would then be pulled yeah. apart. Kind of like the cops in uh, Hellraiser 4. Yeah. yeah. A very society, also, yeah. which was the same year. There's a good, there's a good yeah. American horror film from 1989, Society. Yeah, and the um the optical illusions of the stairs as well. It is uh, based on the M.C. Escher art, mm. where the, the stairs are going up and down and, and mm-hmm. such. And it, it's really cool visuals. Yeah. And it, it's, it's something that I can't fault about the film. Yeah. Is that there are many scenes that look really cool. Mm-hmm. They do. It's like the jigsaw pieces. The pieces look really great, but if they're not fitting together, it doesn't quite work. Yeah. No, I agree. Yvonne finds Amanda's remains at the asylum and joins the fight in the dream world, encouraging Jacob uh, to use the power Freddy had been given him. So Yvonne literally goes to the tower... (laughs) Taps her on the shoulder. Ghost Amanda turns round and says, Thank you. She's not like anything. She just taps her on the shoulder. And she, she's gone. Like, how long was she waiting there for? Because yeah. she told her like, ages ago. Uh-huh. Her, her, you know? Like, are we talking weeks? It's hard to think how much time's passed. She's just patiently waiting there the whole time. Um, And Jacob says, Skulls out, Kruger. Which is a replacement line um, when the actor was a minor at the time, so wasn't permitted to say the original line, which was, Fuck you, Kruger. 
Uh, Jacob destroys Freddy by launching the souls and heads of Dan, Greta, and Mark from his mouth and through Freddy's chest. Uh, and his infant form is absorbed by his mother whilst Alice picks up a baby Jacob. And that is how you give birth, kids. Warning Alice away. <laughs> Don't Google it, kids. <laughs> Warning Alice away. Amanda seals Freddy away in time as his glove bursts through her stomach. And again, another really great visual. Yeah. What it means, I've no idea. Abortions are available, is what it means. Right, okay. Several months later, Jacob Daniel Johnson is enjoying a picnic with his mother, grandfather, and Yvonne. Now, this is baby. Baby, this isn't yes. the version we see no. in the dream world. Yeah. Uh, but nearby, some children are jumping rope and humming Freddy's rhyme, hinting at Freddy's return, which is quickly uh, moved to the side in place of Let's Go by Cool Modi yes. over the end credits. And that is A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Dream Child. Um... Do you know what that film was missing? What? Funeral scenes. That's true. There was no funeral scenes. There were no funeral scenes. Yeah. And that, I think that sums it up. Because I don't, I don't feel like it, it's a true Nightmare on Elm Street film. No. I feel like it lost a lot of what made a Nightmare on Elm Street. The next one doesn't have a funeral scene either. No. Does Dream Worry? Yeah. Does uh, an icon's funeral? Yeah, of course. And an icon at a funeral before that. Freddy's Revenge does not. No. The two that feel less like an actual proper Nightmare on Elm Street. Maybe that. Maybe I've hit the nail on the head. No, the remake. The remake has a funeral scene. But yeah, no, I just, I there's some good ideas there. There really are. But it just, it gets lost. It, it really gets lost. It gets muddled. And there are moments that are really fucking dull. Yeah. Really dull. And the it, it became a bit of a, a joke. And I think this film is the one that really, dare I say, jumped the shark? No, to the I think... point where the Nightmare on Elm Street films became a joke. The whole school the franchise, Kruger the thing. franchise jumped the shark as soon as he put those sunglasses on in the last. Yeah, that's, that's when he jumped yeah. the shark, and that was fine. But here, the problem is there are some entertaining scenes in here, but when it's not entertaining, it's really fucking boring, mm. and it can't seem to keep that consistency there. It can't. It's it's never one. It's it's always one or the other. It's never a steady flow. It's always just. Boring, 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 entertaining, boring, entertaining, boring, entertaining. It's like, it's a mess. Yeah, I think ultimately I'm not mad. Mm. I'm disappointed. Yeah, this is the most boring one. Yeah, because it could have been a lot more than it was. Yeah. And it had all the potential to. And I think, I think yeah, it's just, it's bad. No, it's yeah. bad. Fuck it, it's bad. Sorry. And I, it's my favourite franchise. And this is a, it's an it's a low, it's a definite low. Well, we've still got to give it some awards. Yes, biggest queen. Uh, I got Alice because don't know anyone else enough to give. Her yeah, that's awards. very true. I kind of went with Yvonne, 
Um, just for being a black woman who survived a slasher film. I mean, yeah, that's... Deserved. Especially in 1989. She was also a nurse. And, you know, yeah, she was a bit harsh. But she was just looking out for Alice. Mm-hmm. Biggest gasp, I have the uh, Robert Englund in bed jump scare, judging from when I first watched it. Judging from when I first watched it, Dan's death scene. Yeah. He actually did kind of catch me off guard. Best dialogue, I have Bon Appetit, bitch. <laughs> I went with, uh, I'm calling about my wayward ex-son, Daniel, who's been acting like an ungrateful, unmanageable dickweed ever since he was seduced by that bimbo slut whore, Alice. <laughs> And that's camp. I have Amanda Kruger's big grand 80s music video entrance to tell Freddie she's going to take him down and Freddie calling her a bitch after a monologue. Um, Greta's mother and her shoulder pads. Yeah. Camp. I was going to say Greta go. It's <laughs> not quite. Ratings, I give it five friends of Eileen Ford out of ten. I gave it three missed opportunities for a funeral scene out of ten. This is a tough one. Masterpiece, trash, piece, trash, basic, or a camp whole bunch of fun. I wouldn't say it's basic. I wouldn't particularly say it's trash. It's Trace definitely it. not camp. It's I don't know what this is. I really don't. I. It exists. I would probably. I would just call it disappointing. Yeah. I would just call it disappointing because if this wasn't, if this wasn't a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel, I probably would have rated it higher. Yeah. But for me, there was too much potential there and too much that had goodness Mm -hmm. that had came before it, that it feels like a real failure. Yeah. And I think disappointed is the word I would use. Mm -hmm. Tell us what you think to the film on social media with Horror Court Trash Other on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm Gaz 92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker823 on Letterboxd and Instagram. And I forgot to tell you, the film is available on DVD, Blu-ray, and video on demand. And if you enjoy this, I recommend checking out Demon Seed. No, sorry. Julie Christie carries the Demon Seed. <laughs> Uh, a great choice, Gary. Um, if you enjoy pregnancy and childbirth-based horror films, I really recommend Husira, the Bone Woman. Yeah, good choice. And uh, give us a rate review, subscribe on iTunes, like a follow on everything else. We're also Gasp Horror Fest across all social media as well. Next week, it's double episode week. And we're getting closer to the end of Five Weeks at Freddy's. It means, coming up next, we have Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Jesus. Just, yeah. I mean, does it get worse or does it get better? It depends. It gets more entertaining. Yeah, it depends how you see things, to be fair. It depends how you look at things. And on Friday, we'll be bringing you our very special Halloween original versus remake, where we'll be discussing Night of the Demons. Nice. Very looking forward to that. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Bye. Bye.